Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. Can we just take... (laughs) You guys are crazy. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. I need that sign so I can just hold it up here. That's my fan club over there, if you didn't know. Amen. You guys cracked me up. Well, welcome, everybody. If you're new, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, if you're new, we welcome you, and all of you online, welcome today especially. Um, We are in a series called The Mystery of Christmas, and today we're going to get mysterious. And Nate, you might want to turn me down because you know I get loud. We're talking about the mystery of Christmas, and today I want to talk to you about the unseen world. And um, we don't normally kind of delve into these type of topics on a Sunday morning, but when I was praying a few weeks ago about what the Lord would have me share, that's what kind of got dropped into my spirit along with a burden that would be applicable for our daily lives. And so I think you're going to be blessed this morning, and if nothing else, you're going to have a lot of table talk for lunch. (laughs) So in 2016, Gallup poll uh, did a uh, did a Gallup did a poll, and they asked people, "Do you believe in God?" Can you give me my glasses? I think they're there. Uh, 89% of the U.S. adults replied yes that they do believe in God. 10% said no, and 1% said they had no opinion. I would like to meet those people. Like, I would like for one moment of my, no no that one. That one, my fashion people told me that one. (laughs) I would like to meet the people who have no opinion. I would like for one second of my life to not have an opinion about something, especially God. So I don't know who those people are, but interesting that no one had an opinion about God, 1% of people. As it relates to angels, 72% said they believe, and this is not particularly Christians necessarily. This is just people of all faiths and even of no faith. 72% believe in angels, 12% said they're not sure, and 16% said they don't believe in angels at all. 71% of people said they believe in heaven, 14% said not sure, 15% said they did not at all. And then a lesser percentage of Americans, 64% said they believe in hell, and even lesser, 61% said they believe in the devil. And since 2016, there's been a downward trend of those numbers relating to things of the supernatural. God, heaven, angels, demons, hell, that number's trending down because people are starting to live more in the natural and get further and further, as we've said, in a post-modern, post-Christian society. So um, we're going to be talking about the unseen world today, which is pretty mysterious when you think about it. But as a foundation, I want us to understand that the Bible teaches we are made of three parts. We are spiritual beings, right? You are a spirit. You have a soul, which we define as your mind, your will, your emotions, and you live in a body, okay? Uh, Corporeal, corporeal, is that how you say that? I learned a new word while I was studying corporeal, which means you have a physical body. You've heard the term corpse. That's kind of where that word comes from. 
So we are spirit, that's important, you hang on to that. We have a soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and we live in a body. But at the end of the day, it is the spirit and soul side of us that will continue to live forever. When you go to a funeral, you see the corpse lying there in the coffin, and you recognize it as a lifeless body. Those are temporal things, and we are people that will live forever in the spirit of who we are, the spirit part of us. So that's also why it's important the choices in life that you make are really important because they're not just limited to this world. They're not just limited to this life, but they rather involve and will affect your eternity, especially what you believe about Jesus Christ and his lordship. So it's important. We live in a real world that we will call the natural realm, but outside of that world, there's a really real world that we call the supernatural realm, right? And it is interesting to me that it's so easy for us to get caught up in the natural realm. We were made with sensual nature, right? Touch, taste, hearing, smelling, like all these things are who we are, and we very much tend to live in the here and now. That's why it's easy for people to maybe not care about God, or if there is a heaven, because they live in what the here and now presents to them. Think, if you will, The Matrix. Anybody remember The Matrix, that series of movies? They did a great job illustrating two different worlds that coexisted parallel at the same time. The only difference, I would say, of that idea and what we're talking about is the really real world is a really good world. It is so much better than this world that we live in because it is not touched by sin or evil or shame or the brokenness that we currently live in. There's no voting for politics because there's only one Lord and one King and one ruler. Hallelujah. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about the really real world and why it matters and how it impacts our life here on the earth. In this room right now there are radio 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 waves, right, going through this room. You don't see them. You're not uh, benefiting from a radio station that you're listening to music to. But surely if we had the right equipment, we could tune in to those radio waves and have an understanding that they're actually there. But just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not real, right? Uh, this Thanksgiving, there were five asteroids that were flying, uh, fast flying uh, in space. One of them was about um, 300,000 miles away from the Earth, going 42,000 miles an hour, which that in uh, NASA's eyes is relatively close. But we didn't know that. Anybody know, anybody know what WB-105 is? That's an asteroid that came close to our Earth's realm, according to NASA's standards. Just because you didn't see it, just because you weren't aware of it, doesn't mean it didn't exist. In fact, by further inspection, attention, and the right equipment, it was easy for those people to understand what was going on in the planet around us. Colossians chapter 1 says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Everybody say invisible. invisible. We get earth invisible. We struggle with heaven and invisible. 
whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Here's a clear statement that God is the creator and the ruler over all things, whether um, they submit to him or whether they rebel against him, he is still Lord over them all. So let's pick up in the Christmas story since tis the season. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, that this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was his child. I want to pause here for a minute minute, to say that the city of David in this passage brings us back to a promise that came a thousand years earlier. And that was the promise that God gave to David that from his lineage would be a savior, one of a universal and eternal kingdom. So the census that was issued by the governor is what actually took them back to the city of David um, because it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born. It comes from Micah chapter 5 verse 2. So this is actually telling the location a thousand years prior was a prophecy that David's lineage would be fulfilled with the Messiah, or you know what I mean. Then in 700 years before this is Micah, where they are giving the actual location where the Messiah would be born. And then there was 400 years of silence. Okay, how many of you ever feel like you've been waiting on God for a while? (laughs) Just because God doesn't show up on your timeline when you want him to doesn't mean he's not working. Amen. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees the entire picture. And if anything, I want you to be able to zoom out of the world right now and let's get seated in heavenly places and see what our king is doing beyond what we can see in the natural. So there was a natural census decree, uh, Micah 5, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, that Ephratah is basically like Maricopa County, right? So Bethlehem would be the city, Ephratah would be like the county. Who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Waiting on a promise. Just because something looks one way in the natural does not mean that is the way it really is. They were given an assignment by the government to go to be counted, to go back to their hometown to be counted. That looked like a natural circumstance. But if you zoom out, you see that this was a prophecy that must have had to happen so that the Messiah could be born where he was supposed to be. So it's important that we understand these things. When something comes to your life through natural means, it doesn't omit it from having a supernatural purpose. Selah, think about that for a minute. That can be difficulty. That can be something not coming the way you want or how you want or when you want. 
But just because something's coming to you or even, maybe even not coming to you in the natural doesn't omit it from having a supernatural purpose in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 says, <clears throat> For this light momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Everybody say, this life is transient. And I feel the burden of the Lord, one of my main burdens with this topic, and we're going to get into some fun, mysterious stuff, but the burden on my heart for you today is that some of you have gotten so caught up with what is right in front of you, the here and now, that it has robbed you of the bigger kingdom-minded perspective. Because we are in this world, not of it. We are pilgrims just passing through, the Bible says. And while our life here matters and does have impact on generations to come, the only things that really matter are those things which are eternal. Jesus said in his prayer in John 17 that the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Talking about his future disciples. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. How many of you prayed that in the last two years? Jesus, come quickly, Lord, help. Right? But Jesus is praying for us. My prayer is not that you, Father, take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. 1 Peter 2.11 says, I urge you to live as foreigners, exiles, aliens, strangers. Some of you have set up camp here, but you should just be passing through. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God is what will stand forever. So pick up with me in Luke, where's my sign? Preaching better than your shout. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in the manger because there was no place for him in the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Everybody say heavenly host. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So today we're going to talk about angels. Girl, you're preaching that. You're shouting better than I'm preaching. <laughs> All right, so let me give you some uh, miscellaneous thoughts on angels. Um, we see angelic encounters in, over 300 times in Scripture. 34 of the 66 books of the Bible have angels in it, half in the Old Testament, half in the New Testament. Now, how many of you, when you think of angels, maybe you, you think of this first image here. <clears throat> 
right? How many of you think of babies when you hear cherub, when you look up cherub? Please don't go online and look up angels. You'll get all kinds of stuff out there. But this is what we think of when we think of babies. Pretty ladies in white gowns with little halos on their head, flowy white dresses. Uh, That one's actually not quite so bad, but still. um, We have an idea in our mind. These, These images here are nowhere in the Bible when you study angels. These come more from pagan mythology and concepts out of pagan mythology. So I hope today that I am going to rearrange your thinking of to more a biblical view of what angels are, look like, and what they do and what their purpose is. So first let's talk about what angels are not. They are not male or female in the way that humans understand or experience gender. Uh, Whenever angels are mentioned in the Bible, the word that is used for them is always in the masculine form. And three places, or specifically two, um, that were named angels, they were masculine names. Um, Angels do not procreate. That is not their purpose. That is not what they are designed for. They are not to be worshipped. One of them tried that. It didn't go so well. So (laughs) we'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) <laughs> they, and this is important because I know a lot of Christians who believe this, and it's not biblically sound, that when a human dies, that they turn into angels. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, people, does it communicate that. Angels are totally separate, created beings from humans. When we die, when we lose this corporeal, right, we become incorporeal, right? We have a spirit body. We are a spiritual being. So you don't convert into being an angelic being. They're two totally different species. Amen? Okay. So humans who die do not become angels. Uh, Angels are not subject to our authority. You don't get to tell them what to do and command them. They are under one command, and that is the command of God Almighty. Um, They are not human, as I said. However, they can take on the form of a human. Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So now that we understand what they are not, let's talk about what they are. Angels are spiritual beings created by God, incorporeal. We're all going to know that word by the end of this. Just kidding. That means they're a being without a body. They are a real spirit. Um, Although they can be made visible to us if God chooses, otherwise they would be invisible to us. Now, I've had a couple of angelic encounters in my life. I don't know if I've ever even publicly talked about them. Uh, But when I was a young child, I was molested by a stranger. And as a result of that, I became burdened with a yoke of fear. Just to walk into a dark room, to walk down a dark hallway was just crippling to me. And I would feel fear. And I remember sitting on my mom's lap one time. I was probably about six years old. And I had to go to the potty really badly. And I didn't want to go because it was through a dark hallway. And my mom's like, don't you worry, honey. There's a little angel right there on your shoulder. And I was like, get him off. I was not interested in anything that was going to have to make me walk down that hallway. So somewhere during that time frame of my life, and I share uh, experiences that we see throughout Scripture, I don't know if I was in a dream or if I was actually in a vision. I don't know if I was having a dream or if I was actually in heaven in a vision, but Jesus, whom I did not see, introduced me to what I considered as a young child a guardian angel. 
and she had, it was a she, and I think God knew that I needed a female representation to bring me safety, and she had a name. My mom said I went and told her her name. I got introduced to my angel, and her name is Mary Elizabeth, <laughs> so, um, and all that to say, I believe that God gave me that moment because from that moment on, I never had a spirit of fear as it related to dark things again. Um, so it was a very cool experience. Now, the Bible does not teach. There's no in the Bible that teaches that every human has been assigned a guardian angel. But we will see that angels are protectors and they are, surveyor, sur they, they are on surveillance and God sends them to protect. Another experience I had, I was about 10 years old. Uh, my mom had taken me to a, a church revival, a good old-fashioned Pentecostal revival, and um, just a great service. I, there was just like a, a sense of the presence and the glory of God that you could cut it with a knife. And as a young child, I'm experiencing like this incredible presence of, of God. Well, the service is over. We get in our car. It's, I'm sitting in the back seat. My mom's here, and her friend is driving. And we're driving about a 30-minute drive, and I'm just sitting in the back just being a 10-year-old, like thinking about the service, thinking about what was said, thinking about feeling God's presence, really not doing anything else. And I looked through the front windshield, and I saw as far as you could see, all the way back and all the way across the sky, a multitude, what I would call a multitude of angels that were not defined, but they were more like just bright lights with shapes as far and wide as I could see. And at the very front of them, there was a large angelic being that was also just more of light. There was no fabric. It was just light and very strong and muscular. Um, and then to the side of the big angel were two angels that were bigger than the rest, but smaller than that one. And in that moment, I had an impartation, I think, of a spiritual gift because that was manifest in the car that night, and it was just a crazy experience. Now, I don't know why God picked those times or picked me to open my eyes to that, but I can tell you for the last 45 years, even in recent weeks, I will be sitting outside looking up at the sky and going, can you do that again? Like, <laughs> why, could, why could you do it then and not do it now? I have no answer for that. But I know that angelic beings exist, and I know that they have assignments at the behest of God. So I'm getting ahead of myself. But So let's back up. Spiritual beings are, they are spiritual beings who are created by God. We see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. This is talking about creation. Now, we don't know for sure when angels were created. Many surmise that it was before creation ever happened and that they existed with God. They are not eternal beings but they are immortal. They haven't always been. They're not like God. They're not omniscient. Um, they're not omnipresent, but they are eternal, but they're not immortal. So they haven't always been. God created them, and some even think just spoke them into existence like he did at creation. So uh, many surmise that he they were created before uh, the creation of the world ever happened. Um, others surmise that they were created somewhere in that creation account between day one and day six, which is just food for thought. Regardless of when they were created, they were created, and, um, and we want to learn what their role is in our life. The word host in that scripture, chapter 2, verse 1, is the word saba, and it's an army, a company, a host, a battalion, a throng, a division of soldiers. The word indicates a greater number, a larger number of people or things. Uh, there's a title in scripture that God is known by. It's called Jehovah or Yahweh Saba, and it is the Lord of hosts. Chris Tomlin just wrote a song recently called The Lord of Angel Armies, the God of Angel Armies, and that's this word, the Lord of hosts. 
um, the hosts of heaven are innumerable, um, and angel. The Bible says actually that angels actually study humans with curiosity. First uh, Peter one twelve says that because they they never well okay one third of them fell, <laughs> but two thirds of them did not. That's good news for us because we're on the two to one ratio, so that's a good thing. Um, but they look on us with amazement because of the plan of salvation and because of the message of grace. And so they're curious about us. All right. Um, we also understand, as I said, there are fallen angel, angels. Um, Lucifer, do you know that term, Lucifer? And in Scripture, we see three named angels. Anybody know? Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. Those are the three angels that we know that are named in Scripture. Lucifer is in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. There are references to him uh, before he fell. And there's a description in Ezekiel of his being. His created being was just the most beautiful of all God's creations. But that went to his head, as we know. And he wanted to not just be like God. He wanted to be on the throne of God, to which God did not take too kindly. But a third of the angels, we're taught in Scripture, fell with him and were cast down from heaven. So you have Lucifer and fallen angels, which we refer to as demons, spirits. Uh, we'll get into that towards the end in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, but we see different functions of angels in Scripture. We see different kinds and categories of angels. There are just like angels that are that word angelos uh, in the Greek. It's the word that means messenger. Um, the physical appearance of angels varies based on their categorization. Um, in the New Testament, angels are specifically uh, described with like a brilliance or a brightness or a light. In fact, one was described, the angel who announced the resurrection of Jesus, it says his face was like lightning. Imagine that. So they're angels. Ephesians and Colossians call them dominions, principalities, powers, authorities. Then you have what would be an archangel, which just simply means the word arch added in front of that just means higher than the others or greater than the others. This also gives us an indication that there is um, an order of rank. We see that in several scriptures, that it's like a military service and, and their structures and authorities in, within the angelic realm. So, oh, back up. I forgot I had pictures for these. So this is more of the angel kind of thing. Uh, this is humans trying to, like, show supernatural things, so we're limited here. But that one I thought was cool of just angels. Uh, and angels don't all have wings necessarily. So they're in everything that we see with wings, but that's not necessarily the case. Okay, and then you have the archangel, which would be Michael, who is more of a warrior kind of dude and in charge. Um, then we have the cherubim, which a good example of what a cherubim is would be secret agents. They protect the throne of God. They were the ones that when the Garden of Eden was closed after the fall, they were set out to guard the entrance. They're the ones who um, guard the throne of God. In the Old Testament, there was the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim that was actually built that the presence of God was held between or would come in between those cherub. So they're like secret agents. Think if you will. That's, that's not a great picture, right? It's the best I could do. But, uh, and there's wacky stuff out there. So, but you get the idea. Um, they, these cherubim like were representative of protecting the presence of God. A good way for us to understand the role of cherubs, or cherubim is the plural version, is uh, the, the secret service with our president, right? Or if you think of Buckingham Palace and the guards that protect it, that's kind of the role of these cherubim. 
Um, Psalms 81 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. And then another kind of angel, I don't want to delve too deep into this stuff, but seraphim, uh, they seem to provide the background music to heaven or the background uh, theme of worship in heaven that cries, Holy, 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 holy is the one who is and is to come. Now, that is not like any angel you've probably ever seen, but these are artists' uh, efforts in making uh, some concepts of how the Bible describes seraphim. Um, so this one is like the six-winged creature, um, and they're holy, 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 but they also come in and out of God's presence at his bidding, doing as he commands. Isaiah 6, 2 and 3 says, Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Okay, and not to freak you out, but there's one more. <laughs> uh, living creatures. Living creatures we see here. They are four descriptive beings uh, we see in the book of Revelation and a couple other places. Uh, you can go to that other one, Danny. Those kind of separate them out. They're actually one creature with four heads. You can see kind of the ox in the back. But these are the creatures that surround the throne of God. Um, and again, all angels are worshipers. All angels are under the command and authority of God and what he bids them to do. Uh, Daniel 4 calls angels watchers. Um, if, you think, if you're worried about the government keeping an eye on you, <laughs> angels are watchers. They keep an eye on us. Um, unlike humans, angels are not restricted to the time and space continuum. They're not confined to the laws of physics as you and I are. Angels are created with a free will. That's evidenced by what happened with Lucifer and the third of angels. Um, angels are supernatural. They have supernatural discernment and wisdom. Uh, we see... Again, I, have, I don't have time to give you every single scripture reference, but I have them if you're interested. Um, uh, angels have supernatural strength. We see that in Psalm 103, 20. Bless the Lord, you as angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. In 2 Kings 19, there's a story where one angel kills 189,000 soldiers. They're pretty powerful dudes or people. Can't say dude, I guess, since they're not male or female, but you get the idea. Uh, Matthew 28, we see that the angel of the Lord rolled the stone away, right? And that, not so that Jesus could leave. Jesus didn't need the stone to be rolled away to leave. He just left. But it was to show the disciples that Jesus was no longer there. So the angel is the one who uh, moved the stone and then sat on top of it, waiting for people to get there to say, hey, he ain't here. So, okay, which brings me to um, another point uh, well, wait, I'll get there in a second. They have the ability to manifest themselves in physical form, um, as we see many times in Scripture when they, when they were speaking with Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. We see in Sodom and Gomorrah they manifest as humans. Hebrews 13, as I said, we see angels unaware. Angels have limitations in their knowledge and power, which are confined to the authority that's been given to them by God. They are innumerable. Uh, one guy back in the 1100s named Albertus Magnus, Albert the Great, which he doesn't sound so great based on this, but he deduced somehow that there are 399,920,004 angels. <laughs> no one knows how he came to that. The only numbers mentioned in the Bible referencing angels are a few times, and they are 10,000 times 10,000, so we know there's at least 100 million, and I would dare say much, much more. 
Um, so another thing that angels do, they are messengers or heralds. We see that in the conception of Jesus, of the angel coming to Mary. We see that in the resurrection of Jesus. We see that in the pregnancy of John the Baptist. All throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New, we see angels coming and announcing. That word aglos means a messenger who is sent in order to announce, teach, perform, or explore anything. Thirdly, they are ministering spirits that serve at God's behest. Psalm 104.4 says, Who makes his angel spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire. God uses angels in your life to do his work. Um, we know Daniel in the lion's den. How, how was Daniel spared in the lion's den? Angels went and shut the mouths of the lions, right? Uh, Psalm 37 tells us that they protect us. I was in a, a bad car accident about four years ago, and my, my friend Wendy felt a burden to pray for me. That whole morning, she didn't know it was me, just had a burden to pray, and that accident should have had much worse results than what it did. There was a seven-car vehicle pileup. There was a drunk driver involved, um, but no one was majorly harmed, right? No death occurred. I 100% there were angels on that scene to protect those involved. Acts 12 talks about how an angel came to Peter when he was in prison and rescued him and led him out of the prison cell. This is one of my favorites, 2 Kings chapter 6, 15 through 18. It says, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? There was a big encampment of the enemy people around, enemy armies. And so the prophet said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with us them. And then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he might see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I just want to camp out here for a minute because this is really the, I'm getting into some fun stuff of just education about angels, but the burden for you today is that many of you are like this young man, Elisha's assistant, Looking at circumstances in your personal life, again, things maybe that have happened or perhaps things that have not happened. There are many of you caught up what's going on in the world around us and what's going on. I mean, I've, I've met with people who are just gripped with fear, gripped with so many strong emotions that are robbing them of their peace and their joy because you are looking at what is happening in the natural. And I would say that nothing that has happened in your life, nothing that has happened in the world around us has brought God off of his throne, that he is still on the move, he is still working, he is still king of all. So don't get caught up. Zoom out and let the Lord open your eyes to what he might be doing that we might not understand. I tell you, the end times are not pretty. They are not fun to live in. And it will get worse before it gets better. So we got to learn as a body of Christ and the messengers of hope in this generation, we have to learn how to see what God is seeing, how to see from his perspective and communicate out of that realm. Amen. Lord God, would you open our eyes to see. Oh, dear. I, woo, I got to hurry up. All right. Angels are worshipers. 
Um, and lastly, angels battle in the heavens against fallen angels known as demons. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, one of my favorite passages in scripture, I'll just paraphrase, Daniel had had a vision, a very powerful vision, and he prayed and sought the Lord to confirm the vision was from him and to give him understanding. And he was waiting for 21 days and on the answer from God, basically. And so here we pick up in verse number 12. The angel spoke to Daniel and said to him, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing in my way for 21 days. And then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, speaking of Michael the archangel, came to help me for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. So we get to zoom out in this story. We get a great picture in both of these accounts of Elisha and his assistant and Daniel and this angel. We get a really good picture of living in the natural and zooming out to see the supernatural that runs in tandem, that this angel was on his way but caught, got caught up in a spiritual warfare with demonic influences, the fallen angels, I would say, so that Michael the archangel had to come and add his strength so that the word could be delivered to Daniel. If you want to take this to a whole other level, I encourage you to read the book series by Frank Peretti called this, uh, Piercing the Darkness. Piercing the Darkness, it's fiction, but it gives you a great storyline of watching a story be told with a natural view and then a supernatural view in tandem with angels and demons involved. It's very interesting. So Piercing the Darkness. Um, so... We need to zoom out and get God's perspective on things and not get so caught up in what we see, hear, think, and feel. Angels come to guard and advance God's purpose in the human experience. The Bible also tells us that they usher us into heaven once we die. The Bible says that precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. And, and Jesus told a story about a man named Lazarus who died and the angel ushered him in to the presence of God. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm moving to close here. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength and might. There are some of you in this room that are trying to be strong in yourself and in your own strength and might. You're leaning to your own natural way of thinking, your own might, your own power. But the Bible tells us that it is by God's spirit. So put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What you're dealing with, that offense you have with your brother, that problem you have with your employer, that problem you have with that kid at school, that is not a flesh and blood thing. And I promise you there is demonic activity going on to try to steal, kill, and destroy. That is the function of darkness. That is what they do. And if your soul is at unrest, if you are in strife, if you have lost your peace, if you have lost your joy, you are being robbed from the enemy, and you need to rise above by the Spirit of God in you. Take up the armor of God. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces in the heavenly places. I, I put this up there as a point. The full scope of what God is doing cannot be measured by what is seen in the natural, not in your personal life and not in the world at large. You can never measure the full scope of what God is doing by what you see in the natural. Jesus had the ability when Peter was saying to him, I don't want you to go die, Jesus. You're not going to go die. 
I'm going to stand up for you so you don't have to die. You know what Jesus said to him? Get behind me, Satan. How would you like Jesus to call you Satan? (laughs) Get behind me, Satan. Jesus had the ability to recognize this was not Peter trying to discourage him. This was a spiritual assignment trying to discourage him and dissuade him that was operating through Peter. And we as believers with the Spirit of God in us need to be able to discern that which is coming to us is righteous and that which is coming to us is evil and then stand accordingly. If you are a shut-in right now at home, I want you to know you're not alone. This is a great thing. God has got an army of angels to come and aid and protect and serve and battle and fight, all while giving worship and glory to his great name. If you're working for a ruthless employer and are having a hard time at work, you're not alone. If you're not home or your spouse or your parent, things are your child, things just aren't the way that you want them to be in the natural. You are not alone. God is not unaware where he is, fear leaves. If you've been gripped by fear and worry, then I challenge you to assess what's going on in the spirit realm and get past the natural. In the really real world, we are on the winning team. And while we're walking down here, keep in mind whose side you're on. Uh, Three take-home points as we close. We must have faith to see the bigger picture. It does require eyes of faith. The Bible says that we as Christians in 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. I'm talking about a faith walk. The second take-home point for you is a life consumed with the natural world will lead you to unrest. And some of your souls have been in uprest. This is the burden on my heart today because you become so caught up in the natural. A life consumed with the natural world will lead to unrest, but a life lived with an eternal or kingdom mindset is at peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. My hope is not in the rulers of this world. My hope is not in the things of this world. My hope is in the one true king and what he's doing that's bigger than what I can understand. Which leads me to my last point. We must trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, don't acknowledge your own counsel. Don't acknowledge what you think. Don't acknowledge what the internet thinks. Don't acknowledge what your favorite talk host thinks. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. If you are caught up in the systems of this world and the kingdom of this world, you will live a life of unrest. The only things that matter in this world is what we do that affects eternity. We must have eyes to see into a supernatural world, especially when what is in the natural is overwhelming right now. During this time of unrest, a pandemic, political tensions, brother against brother, good being called evil, evil being called good, a time where what is true and accurate is hard to discern. May we be a people that are present in this world, travelers passing through that leave in our wake the light and glory of his great gospel because at the end of the day, your opinion about what's going on in the visible will have very little effect on what is happening in the invisible. And my last closing, Isaiah 55. (laughs) For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than yours. Would you stand? Father, I just come before you right now. If you're in this place right now and your soul has been in unrest, whether it's things going on in your personal life, whether it's something going on in someone you know's life, whether it's something going on in the world around us, and your soul has become at a place of unrest, would you just lift up your hands unto the Lord this morning? Father, we call out to you as the Prince of Peace. We call out to you as God our King, as God the Lord of the host of the angel armies, Lord, who you are not worried, you are not intimidated by what is happening in the natural that we are limited to see, but God, you are mighty. You are mighty and you work all things together for good so that it comes into line with your full counsel, purpose, and plan. So those, Lord, here today with weary souls who maybe they've lost their peace, or their joy, maybe even their love, God. I pray by your spirit that that anointing of your precious name would break the yoke of bondage off of them. I bind every lying spirit in the name of Jesus, whereby we have authority over fallen principalities through the work of the cross. In Jesus' name, every lying, foul spirit in their life, I Break your power off of them in Jesus' name. And Father, would you, as you did Jesus after the time in the wilderness of temptation, send angels to minister, Lord. Even greater, God, by your own spirit, would you bring supernatural breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And I pray you loose your love, your joy, your peace over them. Right now, in Jesus' name, maybe... You're new to this, and maybe you're here today just questioning things about God. This is kind of a heavy message if it's your first about these things. But I want to invite you to know the God of the universe, the creator of your soul and body, the creator of the everything around you that we stand in awe of. He is the creator. And he loved you enough to create you, knowing that you would be influenced by this disease of sin, but knowing that he would provide the cure through Jesus Christ. And if you need that cure in your life today, and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life so that you can have authority over demonic influence, so that you can have the Lord watching over you and his spirit in you, the Bible says you are to confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord. And if that's you, I just want you to simply do that. Jesus, I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that you are Lord. Would you say that? Jesus, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord. And you are now his because of his great work. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen and amen and amen. Well, as oh, you sorry. go, as we let you go today, what an awesome Thank message you. and reminder of you are not alone. God is with you. God is working on your behalf. If you have prayer needs of any kind, as we dismiss you, some of our prayer team leaders are going to be up here to pray over your knees. May God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And Dawn, thanks for such a great job.
you're a first-time guest, we would love to have an opportunity to connect with you and give you a free gift for joining us today. Or if this isn't your first time, but you're ready to get connected, go ahead and send me an email and let me know how we can best serve you. We have life groups, both live and virtual, classes and resources to help you live your life in complete freedom. And you know what? If you're ready for the full on-campus experience, you can reach out to us via email as well, and we will get you connected with an opportunity to check us out and meet our church. Thank you so much for watching and have a blessed week. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.